And we welcome you to this edition of Tuesday People, the podcast. I am Mitch Album, your host, also the author of the book Tuesdays with Maury, upon which this podcast was inspired. Lisa Goitz, my friend and producer, is alongside as always. Lisa, great to see you. I am always happy to be alongside you, Mitch Album. So we come to you at a at a um and a difficult time here where I live in the state of Michigan, and this has become a national story, and we thought we'd bring it up uh, in part in today's podcast, because it has to do with the relationships with our children. In the state of Michigan, in a relatively small town called Oxford, which is a northern suburb of Detroit, probably about 40 minutes outside of Detroit, a 15-year-old male student uh, walked out of a bathroom with a gun and began shooting at anything that moved. And by the time he finished, four students would be dead and seven more people would be wounded, including a teacher. He gave no resistance when the police showed up. He, He saw them. He put his hands up in the air, put the gun down. Uh, when they arrested him, he didn't scream anything. He didn't try to take his own life. He simply said he wasn't talking, and uh, then he requested a lawyer. As the story has unfolded, it's become even more unnerving because it turns out that this young man used a gun that was purchased by his father only a few days earlier on Black Friday and apparently as now the prosecutor on the when the day that we're taping this has revealed the gun was purchased essentially for the kid yeah there were photos posted of the mother uh, mother posted a, a, an image of her and her son and, and called it like having a having a great day mom and mom and son with his new Christmas present. He took pictures of it and posted it. Just got my new beauty today. Just got my new beauty today. He's 15. It's against the law for someone that age to have a gun in the state of Michigan, but he didn't mind posting, just got my new beauty today, beauty today a 9mm Sig Sauer SP-2022 handgun. Yeah, not a hunting rifle, by the way, that most not a hunting rifle to shoot on. Yeah. The day before the shooting, a teacher at the high school observed this teenager searching ammunition sites on his cell phone during class. She reported it to school officials. The mother was contacted through voicemail and email about her son's web search. Apparently, the mother did not reply to the school, but it was later learned because they got his cell phone that she did reply to her son. And what she said to her son was, LOL, I'm not mad at you. You have to learn not to get caught. Ay, 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 ay. The next day, which was the day of the actual shooting, the teenage boy's teacher saw him drawing an alarming note on his desk. It had a picture of a handgun pointing at the words, the thoughts won't stop, help me. Also had a drawing of a bullet with the words blood everywhere and a drawing of a person who appeared to be shot and bleeding. Further down, according to the teacher, 
were the words, my life is useless and the world is dead. Now the parents were summoned to the school and he was brought in to the office with his backpack. The drawing at that point, he had altered, crossed out a lot of the alarming parts of it. Still, they showed the parents the drawing, and they said that they had to get their son into counseling within 48 hours. Neither one of the parents asked if the the son, in the presence of the authorities, if he had his gun with him or where the gun was, nor did they look in his backpack. And of course, tragically now, neither did any of the authorities look in his backpack. And you could maybe make a case that, wait a minute, a kid's drawing a picture of a gun shooting blood, saying the thoughts won't stop, and he's carrying a backpack, maybe open the backpack and look in it. Yeah. Somebody. But people are so afraid of violating somebody's rights. Well, I was going to say, maybe is that illegal? Maybe there's some sort of like... Uh, I don't think it's illegal in a case like that. And you know know what my response would be if it was illegal in a case like that? Sue me. Yeah, I opened the backpack. Illegal, Yeah, right, exactly. But tragically, of course... The parents did not like the idea of bringing their son home with them, which was suggested. Maybe you should take your son home. He's not having a great Mm -hmm. day. No, he doesn't need to be home. He could stay in school. So he stayed in school, returned to the classroom, and later in the afternoon emerged from the bathroom with that same handgun and started shooting. Ironically, when news broke that there was an active shooter at the high school, because news broke very quickly of this story. The mother texted her son and wrote, Ethan, don't do it, suggesting she realized that it was him. Yeah. Of course, by that point, he had already done it. As a result of all of this, while the young man, Ethan Crumley, his name, was charged as an adult with terrorism and multiple counts of first-degree murder, assault with intent to murder, and gun crimes, and therefore could spend the rest of his life in prison. But the parents were also charged with involuntary manslaughter on four counts, one for each of the teenage students who were killed. The thinking is that the parents did not take many steps to keep the son from this terrible act. First of all, they brought the gun. They didn't secure it. They celebrated the fact that it was for him. Yeah, They posted Posted things. Right online. (laughs) Said that this is his Christmas present. Jesus. They admitted, apparently, that it was in a drawer unlocked. Yep. And uh, while they didn't tell him to go to the school and go shoot it up, they discovered that the gun was missing that morning and that he took it. And too late, by the way, because if they had that meeting in the morning, right, and he was in the meeting with the backpack and the gun was in the backpack, wouldn't you think that after seeing that picture when the parents went back home, they wouldn't have checked the drawer to say, oh, geez, where's that gun? Yeah, might have been the first thing they did. Like that would have been the first thing I would have done if I was the parent. Well... First thing I would have done is just give me your backpack. Let me make sure you don't have it in there. Yeah. But nobody did that. And now four children are dead, seven more wounded, and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of students are horrified, terrified, terrorized. Yeah. 
That's why he was charged with terrorism. Yeah, more students, by the way, could have been dead. But he didn't. He came out and just started firing at anybody who was in the hallway. If they were running away, if they were running towards whatever, he just fired. And and now he's you know been silent as to reasons why. But there's been postings that he's you know felt uh, useless and his life is meaningless and other things like that. So how does this pertain to our lives? Well, we're not going to get into gun debate issues on on this program. That's the, not the, the nature of what we do at Tuesday People. But we do talk about relationships that we have with the most important people in our lives. And what this says to me is it is quite possible for school, the internet, the world at large, entertainment, to be warping your child right under your nose. And for all your observations, your kid is a good kid. And even if you're of the mind that, hey, let's post a picture of me and my son with his new beauty, his new Christmas present, yeah, and you think that that's admirable, while I might not be posting a photo like that, nor would I be buying a gun for a child, I still am willing to probably believe that the mother did not think her son was capable of taking that gun and going and doing what he did. In other words, I don't think he sat at the dinner table and talked to his parents about going and shooting up the school, and they said, that's a good idea, you know, maybe you do that tomorrow. I don't believe that that happened. Mm-mm. But it shows you how disconnected we can be from our children and we can be from one another and how disconnected teenagers can feel from the rest of the world. To me, that note that he drew wasn't in its own way sort of a little cry for help. I mean, why he used the words, help me. The thoughts won't stop. Help me. And then later, my life is useless and the world is dead. Now, it's hard to believe that that 15-year-old felt feelings that deeply, that tragically, and never expressed them in any way until that morning on that piece of paper. In other words, mm -hmm. there were people who knew that this kid felt this way. Mm -hmm. And if the parents were paying attention, they should have been amongst those people who knew. They should have been the first to know, you'd think. I mean, I'm not a parent, so I don't want to be judgy here myself, you know, but wouldn't you know that for this child that lives under your roof that you're with all the time? Wouldn't you be able to see changes in them or something in their behavior that would make you think, wow, you're not well? Well, I would think so. And uh, I would think that you would be able to pick up that on that. But how do you know 
if your teenage child might be slipping into darkness, how do you know? The lines of communication are the only way out of this. And as Maury would always say, with his kids and with all the kids, of course, that he taught in their teenage years, many of them 18 and 19, you had to establish a level of respect within the conversation with the teenager in order to expect that they would trust you and share some of their thoughts. What you can't do, not in this world, is say, oh, well, they're just being teenaged. You know how that is. You know how they are. They'll grow out of it. Oh, yeah. Today, between the internet and the possibilities of bullying or being bullied through digital means and cyber means, with the internet and the possibilities of being lured to go meet people, hang out with people, associate with people that you never have to bring to the house in order to meet because they can just converse with you online. They could be halfway around the world. We've seen the stories of these kids who fall in love, think they fall in love on the internet and, and, and go somewhere, you know, get, buy a plane ticket without telling their parents and fly to some city or even overseas yeah, just to meet somebody. And it turns out to be a predator uh, yeah. who's waiting to harm them. Between those possibilities, the violence possibilities, the bullying possibilities, and the videos that you can see, violent videos, instructional videos on how to be violent, uh, dark, almost demonic types of, of videos and sites that you can go at. If you open the door to your child's bedroom, and your child has got a laptop on their lap and they're on the bed and they look up and they say, hi, mom. Hi, dad. How's it going? It's going good. How's it going with you? It's going good. Everything all right? Yeah. And you walk out thinking, good. I checked into my kid. He's probably doing some homework. He said everything was good. That kid could be looking at the ammunition site that Ethan Crumley was looking at when his teacher caught him. Right. Except in this case, the mom would have probably supported it, even <laughs> right. if she said, let me see Sadly. your laptop. Sadly. Yeah. But what can I the, buy? You want, yeah. you want some of that for Christmas, Ethan? You have to have a relationship where you can walk around and say, what are you looking at? And they won't slam the computer shut. Yeah. And sometimes there are there are parents who so want to be well thought of by their kids that they act as if their role is to be their, their child's friend instead of their child's parent. And, oh, well, you know, hey, it's my, that's my computer. Oh, sorry, sorry, yeah. Hey, you don't have a right to look at what I'm doing. Okay, yeah, sorry, right, you're right, okay, yeah. Hey, no problem, bro. They're not your bro. They're your children. Yeah. Yeah. And you are entitled. I'm going to sound old fashioned here, but I'm going to evoke my own parents. You're under our our roof. You follow our rules. Yeah. And sometimes. Those were my parents' words. Sometimes 
you have to have that stance. Now, there has to be love and there has to be respect there. Otherwise, it just feels like authoritarianism. But I always knew my parents loved me and I always knew that I respected them. And maybe I didn't like that they wanted to see what I was writing or see what I was working on. But I knew that I couldn't hide it and say, no, you have no right. And, well, and who knows what boundaries. was the case with this young man? Yeah. I mean, we all pushed boundaries when we were kids. I mean, I'm sure you did. I did. Yep. never, of course, to this degree. But I mean, there were things I did that my parents didn't know I did, uh, you know, that probably weren't the best behavior. But uh, nothing like this, you know. Yep. Uh, and how do, how do you know the difference? I guess it's, it's tough, right? You have to. All teenagers hide stuff from their parents. Right. That's part right. of growing up. We'll be back with more Tuesday People right after this. Listen to Maury talk here about kids who, who came. He, it was almost sardonic. The reference he, he made, uh, we were talking about how everybody wants to be young in our society. Everybody wants to be young. We want to be, be youthful, youthful, youthful. And he said, I don't buy that. And he had a very good reason as a professor because he saw youth all the time. Listen to this. I don't buy the culture at all. So usually when the culture says, be this way or that way, I say I'm going to be the opposite. Because I don't think the culture is giving us the right messages. So with reference to youth, I know what a misery youth is. So don't tell me it's so great. All these kids who came to me with all their struggles and all their internal strife and all their feelings of inadequacy and all their sense that life was miserable and some of them wanted to commit suicide. So don't tell me youth is so great. Because I know better. So as you see, this was 1995. And he was talking about a career that went back to the 60s. And still, he referred to teenagers and college-age kids as miserable, feeling inadequate, internal strife, struggles, wanting to commit suicide. So this has gone on really since teenagers began. Yep. Or didn't you see West Side Story? So <laughs> the, the trick as a parent is to be close enough with your children that there's a level of trust, but not so close that you feel like it's your job to be their friend more than it is your job to be their parent. Now, I don't like to parent from an armchair, and I don't like to tell other people how to parent. In this case, with a mother who posts about, isn't it great mother and son spending time with his new gun, her priorities are a little off. And I don't mind saying that. If that sounds judgmental, so be it. He's 15. He's 15. It's not your job to be his buddy or to go shooting yeah. with him at 15. You have to think, okay, a 15-year-old is subject to a lot of things. Do I really want to put a gun in his hands? Do I really want to well, post about it? 
yeah, especially, again, she had to have known that this kid wasn't, you know, super popular. The, ha- school, the happiest kid happy. on earth? Yeah. yeah, the happiest kid on earth. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So, but I wonder if some of that element, and here now I'm just su- supposing and guessing, but I wonder if there wasn't some of that like, yeah, let's, you know, be pals with our kid. Let's be friends with our kid. You know, let's get him what he wants and, you know, have a lot of laughs. That way we get along. No, sometimes you need to put your foot down and sometimes you need to say, this is the way it is. You may not like it, but I'm your mother, I'm your father, and this is what we're going to do. And, and you'll uh, understand one you'll day. You'll understand your later. Parents always yeah. say that to you. When yeah. you're a parent, you'll understand one day. Yeah. That's what my parents would always say. And you have to trust that that's true. You have to trust that a child will understand that deep down, even though he mm-hmm. won't understand it right now. In a weird way, I mean, I feel sorry for these parents because I'm pretty sure, unless they're they're really psychopaths, that when he bought that gun last Friday, on Black Friday, and said, you know, hey, I got an idea, we'll give it to our son, he'll love it. If he had any idea what he was going to do with it, he wouldn't have bought it for him. Yeah. So I'm sure they're going through their own level of revisionist history and trying to say, well, we should have seen this or we should have seen that or we shouldn't have done this or we shouldn't have done that. But right Right. now, they are tied together. They are tied together, Lisa. Their fates Mm -hmm. are tied together. The child goes down for murder the parents could go down for manslaughter. Yeah. So you need to take that into account. Although it doesn't hold true for every crime, we're becoming more and more like that as a society. Like, hey, if the kid was a minor, who was influencing it? And uh, I think there was a case of bullying that was like that too, where they ended up going after the mother of the daughter yeah. who was doing the bullying because she was posting stuff too. Oh, trying to be, right. you know, that was a cool, terrible story. Trying to be cool with the kids. Yeah. yeah. Trying to stand up that for her horrible. daughter. Yeah. Well, social media is, I've said this on many of our episodes, it's, I can't even imagine what it's like for teenagers these days because bullying face-to-face in school is one thing, but when kids can talk behind other kids' backs or drag them in and embarrass them and all the things that they have to go through online, wow. It is, it's a whole nother ball game than what we went through when we were kids. Yep. Absolutely. Here's another thing uh, that Maury said about youth, and it's something to keep in mind. And again, he was a pretty big expert on youth because all he did was work with kids who were 17, 18, 19, 20 years old. Listen to this. So I'm not impressed with youth in that sense. And in addition to all the miseries, they're not very wise. They're not very understanding about life. And who the hell wants to live a life when you don't know what's going on? When people are manipulating you, like the media, telling you buy this perfume and you'll be beautiful, buy this pair of jeans and you'll be sexy. It's all such nonsense. And we buy that nonsense and you know in some place that's nonsense, it's all designed to get you to consume and spend money. So I'm not impressed with our youth culture at all. I'm impressed with a culture 
that tries to encourage wisdom and uh, sounds funny right living so what he's saying there is that the young are not wise they haven't lived long enough to be wise it's up to you yeah. as the parent to be wise it's up to you yes, to, to guide them to guide them right and to share that wisdom and to try to instill an idea in them that they believe that you're wise because they've seen that things that you have said have come true. Yeah. And it's funny, too, because then you also have the hurdle when you're a parent of your kids not thinking that, oh, mom, like, mom, you don't know anything. Like, you're not cool. You don't right. understand. That sort of thing. All teenagers go through that. Like, they think that they're wiser than they are. <laughs> right. Which is all the more reason that you need to be wise with them. But yeah. this does not begin... At teenagerdom, it begins early, and this is the important lesson of this. If you want to have good communication with your teenager, if you want to have a trusting relationship, something like this does not happen to you. You can't start trying to become a parent when they turn 13. You have to have cultivated a sense of trust in the kids from the time they're very young and as they start to go to school. And and don't allow school to just be a babysitter for them. And you don't want to know. You know, that gives you eight free hours a day. Whatever it is they do there, you don't need to know. You need to know. You need to find out. And then you need to make sure that when they turn six and eight and ten and when their bodies start to change at 11 and 12 and 13 and when they start to make new friends at 14 and 15 and 16, that you are the constant in their life that you are the thing that they can count on. You're the stranger in their lifeboat. You are the person to whom they can turn when things get confusing. And if you ask a lot of those questions, like you suggested, Lisa, that are prying, you know, maybe some people think they're prying, but maybe they get the kids to open up, talking about their friends, talking about how they feel about their friends and, and how they're being treated by their friends and, and look at their social media pages and all that, because this is the world that we live in. And yeah. signals are being sent out by kids. You know, they used to send signals. I don't know, you could find a note somewhere or uh, the type of music they picked. But now yeah. they, they, just, they just disappear into their cell phones. And you don't have any idea what they're doing, what they're typing. No. And rarely go outside anymore. I, I mean, this might be a completely separate issue. But yeah. what I've noticed about all the kids that live on our little cul-de-sac where I live, there's never children playing outside. Like when I was a kid, we were always outside and we were playing with other kids. I think that isolation has a lot to do with a lot of this stuff because kids are stuck in houses. I know that there's scary things out there and parents don't want their kids to get kidnapped or whatever it is. But I really see very little free play for children. You know, mm. uh, you know there's organized softball and ballet class and right, all that stuff. Right, it's not the stuff, same thing. But not when we were kids, you'd go out, you know, on weekends, you'd go outside in the morning, you'd come in for lunch, you'd go back outside until the lights went, you know, the street lights came on, and then you'd go back in, take a bath, do your homework, go to right. bed. Well, in many cases, like my family, the parents basically just locked the door from the inside. Yeah, you weren't coming back in. It's like you stay outside <laughs> until it's dinner time. We'll let you know when yeah. you can come back in. Uh, and it was those fun, days, like, yeah, it was fun, and and we had a sense of belonging. Uh, we didn't have all this information 
confusing us. We didn't have all these images confusing us. We didn't. We weren't 11 years old and seeing 20 year olds gyrating, you know, in music videos with no clothes on. You know that that was the kind of stuff that you imagined was in the pages of a Playboy magazine. You know, which you couldn't get your hands on. Uh, Now you can turn it on, watch it anywhere. You know, and and so you see that, but you can't have it. You know, you see people, athletes, young athletes driving around in fancy cars and flying private jets. You see that, but you can't have it. You see people smoking cigarettes and looking cool, flashing around a lot of money. You see that, but you can't have it. And when you start filling a lot of ideas of teenagers' heads about what they could be or should be able to be if they acted like an adult, but they can't have it. Yeah. They look for other things to try to substitute for that. Signs of growing up. Yeah. And here's one, you know, getting your hands on a gun. Yep. It's hard enough for adults to overcome those influences that they see online, let alone a child who hasn't lived long yeah. enough to know what is, you know, um, achievable and attainable. It's so hold your, hold your children close. Talk to them. Talk to them in their language, in their, in their room, at their table. Don't lecture them. Make sure you know what's going on in their lives. Because if you don't, you don't know what they're capable of. And unfortunately, in today's society, what you're capable of has moved to something, well, that could be tragic. Associated with a person that you never would have till that moment thought of as tragic. Mm-hmm. That's what happens. That's going to wrap it up for today's program. We do this every week. If you want to find out more about Tuesday People, the podcast, go to wetuesdaypeople.com on the web. You can always leave us a comment or a rating. We always appreciate that. Until we see you again, on behalf of Lisa Goich, my friend and producer of this podcast, I'm Mitch Album saying, see you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday People.